Okay. Fun for who? Yeah, welcome back to the good old days. It's, uh, well, I don't know about that. I, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach this morning. And uh, Ethan and Marissa are in Wisconsin. They are about to uh, help Tom and Twyla support them in getting married this afternoon. So, yeah, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Uh, it's been a minute since I've been up here, so why don't we start out with a word of prayer. God, we thank you for the opportunity uh, to get into your word, to sing together. The singer sounded great. Uh, thank you, Father, for the selection to be reminded that you are mighty to save. Uh, we all need compassion. Uh, we need your love, and we're grateful that you provide it, whether we deserve it or not. God, we pray so much for those that have lost loved ones, those that are challenged uh, by the swarms of life. We pray that at this moment, your supernatural power would come in and speak to our hearts exactly where we need to hear you, to see you, to know you, to be reminded. God, we pray that you would throw off anything that hinders us from understanding to embracing to just accepting who you are and the implications for our lives. We pray for those that are searching for you, that you make yourself abundantly clear this morning. We pray for your supernatural power to win the day. We thank you in advance, in Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, amen and amen. We are finished with our, uh, our series, The World Turned Upside Down. Now, we will, uh, get after it a little bit on our congregational midweek this uh, Wednesday. And so uh, I won't go over that. I won't get into that. That was actually what I was going to talk about. No. Uh, but we, uh, I want you to be reminded of uh, what the titles of those messages were. And I want to ask you this question uh, real quick. What impacted you from those lessons, if you had to say it in a sentence? Is there anything that impacted you from those lessons? Could you say it in a sentence? Yeah? Sure. Okay, to look at the scriptures from a new lens, from what uh, God intended it to be, the authors intended it to be. Anything else? Yes, ma'am. Let's go home. <laughs> to question what type of fruit we're producing in our lives. That's a good one. That's a good one. Just the joy of knowing that Jesus is there with you. Is it always easy to be that? I, I don't call it upside down. It's really right side up. Because 
God created things the way that they were supposed to be. And they were turned upside down via sin. And they're being turned right side up. That's just me. But how difficult is, is it to be right side up? Yeah? I mean, when you really think about it, when you delve into the scriptures, how easy is it to be right side up? How comfortable is it to be right side up? It requires a level of trust. Yeah? A trust. And the interesting thing is, is that you might be right side up. You might live in the Lord, but it may not work out for you. Yeah? We say, well, we saw Jesus and it worked out for him. Yeah, it worked out for him on the other side. But what does that have to do with us right here? Yeah? Some of you are more mature than me and you're like, hey, I got this thing figured out. This is what we would call in the speaker's world a one-off. And so before we jump into our next series, I'm going to share with you, maybe somebody will share on Wednesday, what impacted me from our time in Matthew. Yeah? What I took away from, from this time. Yeah? What I'm wrestling with. What God has been slapping me in the back of the head, the front of the head, punching me in the stomach with. He's been molding and shaping me over the course of time, I would say my life, to get me to a point to hear something that has always been there. I remember when the Touches moved to town. I remember that we had some groups on Wednesdays and we were talking and I remember Rachel saying, she said, you know, we were talking about some complex whatever and she just said, you know, I just want to love people. That's like my mantra to love people. And I thought to myself, okay, that seems a little bit simple. I feel like there's a lot of things rattling around in my head. But now as I think about it, it's like, wow, to love people. Can I ask you another question? Do you have a theme scripture that you live by? Does anybody have a theme scripture that they live by? What is it? Okay, there you go. Proverbs 3, 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Like, he just went there, didn't he? (laughs) Thank you for sharing those scriptures. I'm going to share what I've learned, what God's been teaching me, and hopefully it will have some effect in your life. There's an area that you're wanting to follow in. You can follow me in this. You are invited. It ain't fun. How did I get here to this theme scripture piece? And everybody doesn't need a theme scripture, but I want to ask you this question. For the Christians in scripture, was there a theme scripture? What was it? No, what was, the, what was the theme for the Christians over the course of time? Was there one? What? Love God, love people. Why is that important? It's the greatest. 
And the second is what? Love your neighbor. It's just as powerful. Now, let me, let me say this. Matthew, in his writing, the author of the Gospel of Matthew, he writes in such a way as I believe he experienced God, as he experienced Jesus, yeah? As an outsider that's pulled in. And I believe in our lives there's a question that we have to ask ourselves. Do we, with our lives, write down a gospel, a good news, that speaks to how God has moved in our lives? I'm intrigued by, by the scripture that, that, that says where Jesus is challenged in Matthew 22. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. And we're going to talk about three areas. We're going to talk about what, what the, the most excellent way is the message. The title is The Most Excellent Way. It's this theme type of thing that I'm embracing. Ooh, that's nice. Thank you. I like that, Melinda. The most excellent way. Do you know where that's from? 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I believe, 31. Paul is talking to these Christians that are wrestling with gifts and who's important, who's not, blah, blah, blah. And they're wrestling. They're in conflict. And, and Paul is, is breaking it all down for him. And he says, all of these things are important. Seek after him. But I'm going to show you, I'm going to talk to you about the most excellent way. Now, as I read this and I read through scripture, God is, has revealed to me that, that this most excellent way, what is it in 1 Corinthians 13? It's love. In Matthew 22, Jesus is is, is getting after it. He's, he's doing his thing. He's preaching the word. He's being the word. And in verse 34, in Matthew 22, when the Pharisees heard what Jesus had to say, he had silenced the Sadducees. They came together in the same place, and one of them, an expert of the law, asked a question to test him. Teacher, he commanded. Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? He said to him, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important commandment. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets depend on these two commandments. All the law and the prophets, everything. Hinges on loving God and loving your neighbor. Everything hinges on this. In 1 John chapter 4 and verse 8, Scripture says that, that God is love. Yeah? This word is, is, is sprinkled. It's, it's fire hose throughout the Scriptures. In John 13, 34, and 35, what does Jesus say to his disciples? A new commandment I give you. You must, you must, this isn't optional, church. You must love each other. 
how you guys love, how your parents love, how society loves. You know, when they, they have the model and then they do that Photoshop of them and it's not really what they look like and then everybody kills herself trying to look. No, it's not that love. It's the love that Jesus showed his disciples. And his disciples in turn show that love. Yeah? Why is that important? Everything hinges on love. Can I show you another scripture? And it's important for Christians, and we we ought get this. It's important for the world. I want you to imagine what this love would look like if everyone in the world embraced it. Turn your Bibles to 1 John, if you have them. First John chapter 4. You guys all right? And this is John, the apostle of love to many. John chapter 4, starting in verse 13, I'm going to read a little bit. This is how we know that we remain in him and he in us. He has given to us his spirit. And we have seen and we testify that the Father has sent the Son, the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God remains in him and he in God. And we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And the one who remains in love remains in God, and God remains in him. And this love is perfected in us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. For as we are, for as we are, as he is in the world, there is no fear in love. Instead, perfect love drives out fear because fear involves punishment. So the one who fears has not reached perfection in love. We love because he first loved us. God is love. You know, if there was ever to be a theme scripture, that's, that's, that's my theme. My theme scripture is love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. If you don't have a theme scripture, I ask you the question, how do you stay focused? Yeah? You probably can, but can you really, and can you stay focused on the right things? I believe it's important that we understand who God is and who he is in our lives, because if we don't, like many in the world today, we don't have a father, an authority figure speaking into our lives who we are. There is many a man, many a woman that, that has missed someone of authority speaking into their life, their identity. And at the same time, however it's spoken, there's a world tainted by sin that is telling you that you're nobody unless you do fill in the blank. You're nobody. You don't matter unless fill in the blank. Understanding 
the love of God, understanding who God is, our view of him, it, it, it shapes our legacy. Yeah? It can shape our legacy. When you think about legacy, what do you think about? Numbers? Or what God thinks about? Restoration. Here's what we need to understand, church, about God's love. God's love brings restoration, not separation. And when we become his children, we are restorers. Yeah? We become people that are restorers of what God intended this world to be, not intended what he created it to be. And there is the fight that we are in, in here and out there. If we don't understand this part about God, it's going to be difficult for us to work it out anywhere. Yeah? I ran into one of my former players, well, I ran into him a a while ago, Thane, discipline. He's in the 11th grade. He's going to make $800 a week with this business that he started. $800 a week. This is a kid that I watched grow up, become a proficient basketball player. He's gotten to the point where he could get a college scholarship, but he's decided not to. He decided to run track, and now he's running track. They have their first meet. They they won their event. He's going to be going to state, and he's going to do well in state. There is a possibility, a grand possibility, that he can get a scholarship. And he has decided already as a junior, season hasn't even started, and he's already slaying people. If I get offered a scholarship, I'm not going to take it. Why? If I could make $800 a week, As an 11th grader, I don't even know if I want to go to college. Now, I say that to to say that I've watched this guy in his discipline all through his life, and he's done all of these things, and everything that he puts his mind to, he gets after. I mean, he works on it on his own. He's, he's got initiative. He does, I mean, this guy has bought, I want a riding mower. He came over to my house and edged my yard yesterday. He had a riding mower on a trailer. <laughs> Is that your dad's? He goes, oh, no, that's mine. I got an edger, a blower. I bought a buddy of mine's business out. Now I've got all his equipment. Wow. How'd you get the money? I borrowed it. I made it back, paid it off. This is all mine. I thought to myself, what would my life, what would our lives look like if we had that type of discipline in our spiritual lives? And maybe some of you do. It's not a slam. But this kid's got work ethic. He's got discipline. He's got a base from where he works from. And I say as a Christian, here's where I'm wrestling and here's where I'm going and I'm afraid to go. But it's love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. That's my theme.
We could talk a lot more about what, how you define love, but I think that if you look at those scriptures, it's pretty defined. Yeah? I want to ask you this question. How many of you have areas in your life where it's hard to love? Raise your hand. Some of you are lying. <laughs> nah, it's cool. You, you don't have to raise your hand. Thanks for raising your hand, those of you that did. Um, you're not indicted. I, I, I've got like 20 hands, and they're all raised behind me. You just don't see them. There are areas in our lives where it's difficult to love. Yeah? My hope and prayer is that this week when you get together, um, because we get together beyond Wednesday and Sunday, and you have discussion with whoever you have discussion with, that you share, you pray for each other in, in areas, that you tackle those areas, you bring them to the Lord, Amen. those areas where it's hard for you to love. Yeah? The interesting thing about following God is this isn't something that you can do on your own. This is where you got to embrace being poor in spirit. Yeah? You need the help of the Lord. What makes things difficult? Turn your Bibles to uh, Matthew uh, chapter 5. You all right? Matthew chapter 5. And I'm just going to share one of those. There's a ton of things that make it difficult for us to love. Is Christians difficult for us to love and to put ourselves out there evangelistically? Difficult for us to put ourselves out there in a way that we feel vulnerable and unprotected. There is something that gets in all of, all of our ways. Yeah, but I, I wanna share this, this scripture that, that hit me a different kind of way when we talk about looking at scripture with fresh eyes, yeah? And we're on this second part about what gets in the way. What gets in the way? Matthew chapter 5 and verse 43, Scripture says, You have heard it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies, love your enemies, and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be, so that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good. He sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward will you have? Don't even tax collectors do the same. And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing out of the ordinary? Don't even the Gentiles do the same. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. This is just one of those things. It's interesting how, in the grand scheme of things, we can look at life and we can say, hey, I'm righteous and I'm doing all this stuff, and this person that's sending us, he's getting some good stuff. Gods are not real. Yeah, the scripture says that, that God brings rain, God brings good on the good and the evil. How many times have we allowed what's happening in someone else's life that is our enemy or someone that we feel like is doing wrong to hinder God's love flowing from us? That gets in the way. I don't know about you, but guilty? Yeah? 
How many of us pray for our enemies? You don't have to raise your hand. I mean, sometimes I, I think that's one of the things that, that in, in most magazines, most books, it's talked about that prayer is one of the most difficult things to master. Yeah, let alone praying for your enemies and then loving them. This is Jesus. We're talking about must stuff. Yeah, this isn't, well, you know, Alex, this is a good idea and you can do it if you want or not. You can do it if you want or not. But then you're deciding, you're making a choice. Are you a son of God or are you a son of? Those are your choices. There aren't any others. Yeah? Well, I'm kind of in the middle. That doesn't mean that, that we're in this lifetime going to live this out perfectly, okay? So please, nobody go, or any of those types of things. We've, we've had conversations. And it's interesting, as I watch the kids that I coach, as I watch the, the young folk, yeah, I watch you and you have your life ahead of you. And this kid's got a scholarship and he's just going to turn it down. He's making $800. You got your whole life ahead of you. You know, there's something to maturing in, in the Lord that it, it's like, getting into parenthood. There's this piece where you have to work, you have to pay bills, your kids can leave the lights on. Yeah. They can they can not eat all of their food. Yeah. And you're going, man, there was a, I mean, you know, I don't know, some of you eat their food. I don't like to eat after people. So there, I mean, there's all of these things that you look at and you, 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 you can, you have feelings. You, you get a certain way about your children, yeah? Just, just admit it. And if you don't have children, you get that way about somebody else's children. Yeah? And sometimes we're grown-ups that haven't matured and we act like children and somebody's looking at us like we're children. <laughs> yeah? Are you kidding me? Do they have any understanding of what they have? I, I remember my, my dad telling me one time, we were driving and he was, he was reading me the riot act. And uh, now I appreciate it. He said, you know, son, there'll be a day when you grow up and you have kids and there'll be things that you don't want to do that you'll have to do. You go in, you come out, you leave the lights on, doors open, windows open, air conditioner on, you don't eat all your food, you waste stuff and all these different things. There'll be a day when you'll feel that. And you know, he was driving and you know what I was doing? I'm just worried about when we get to where we get, are you going to buy me what I want? But I'll just listen just to amuse you. And sure enough, we get to where we got. Hey, Dad, can I have? After that. I don't know if, if, if 
That's me now. Yeah? You got to do some stuff. You got to go through some stuff. You got to wrestle with some stuff because things got to get done. Yeah? You don't have the luxury of some of these kids. They just go, I quit. I'm not playing anymore. One of our kids did that. He said, I'm not going to practice anymore. The coach yelled at me. Well, were you doing what you were supposed to be doing? No, but he yelled at me. Okay. I'm sorry. But what if our parents, what if our spiritual parents, what if us, what, what if we as mature Christians, yeah, we just decide to stop loving because it gets tough? You know, we want our kids to be that. Then we forget that we've got to set an example of that. Sometimes it's showing up. Sometimes it's surrendering the spirit. Yeah? There's something to be said about misunderstandings about love. And I say all this to say this. Love isn't all fluff. Yeah? Love isn't all agreement. Love isn't all we feel comfortable. And we're, we're going to do everything that we want to do. It's like these guys are going to get married, right? Tom and Twyla, you know where they're in the honeymoon stage. Let me ask you, are you in the honeymoon stage in your spiritual life? Yeah? You're looking and you're like, it doesn't matter what happens. I'm going to love you from that. We'll live off of love. No, you won't live off of love. (laughs) Some bills got to get paid, baby. If both of you guys aren't working, somebody's got to get a job. Well, I'm tired. Okay, join the club. (laughs) Needs got to get met. We need to go out on a date. Well, I'm tired. You want to eat? It doesn't go like that. God's not reciprocal. I mean, he doesn't do that. He, He loves us in spite of ourselves. But that's just it. Church. The way that Jesus loved, the way that the disciples loved, the way that they experienced the the, the, the get back, how people responded to him. Do we believe that we can be Christians and not experience that? That gets in the way of us maturing. Yeah? Well, I'm not going to do that. Remember that picture of me riding in my dad's Volkswagen? You've got your own pictures. Kids, we want you, (laughs) we got to be careful. Yeah? Because sometimes we expect you to be where we're at. Yeah? One of our famous lines is, you ain't pay no bills. Some of you, yes, I do. But I think in our spiritual lives, there's something to understanding that we're all in different places. Yeah? And we're on our journey. Sometimes we choose to suffer. Sometimes we don't. But God is the same. Amen? 
And there's something to us realizing the incredible love that God has for us, that in the midst of all of our junk, he loves us perfectly. That doesn't mean that there's not consequences. Yeah. But I throw that in there loosely. Yeah. Because some of us are waiting around because of things that we've done for the hammer to drop. And it may have already dropped. Yeah. You can't have fun because the hammer's going to drop. You're in a world filled with sin. God's love is constant. Amen? We love our brothers, our neighbors. Who else is there? Your enemies. That should be a part of our vocabulary. I want to turn you on to a prayer that, that uh, this is an application piece. This is a, hey, if you're looking for something to, to help you to kind of move into the realm of how you view your quote unquote enemies. Yeah, I guess. Here's a prayer that uh, a monk that has studied out prayer. He's devoted his life to prayer for 50 years. 50 years he's devoted his life to prayer. And this is the prayer that he prays. You ready? May you be happy. May you be free. May you be loving. May you be loved. May you know the fulfillment of what God has planned for you. May you experience God's deep, profound love for you. May Jesus Christ be formed in you. May you know his peace that surpasses all understanding. May all good things be yours. May Jesus' joy be in you. and May that joy be complete. May you know the Lord in all his goodness and compassion. May you be protected from all evil in the midst of every temptation that comes your way. May you be protected. May the Holy Spirit fill and permeate your entire being. May you see his glory. May you be forgiven of every sin. I forgive you. I will try to forgive you of every wound and hurt with all my heart. May God's goodness and mercy follow you all the days of your life. Now, many of us go, well, that's what I want to pray for my friends. But this is a prayer to be prayed for enemies. Now, I ask you this question. Where do you believe that your heart would be if this is what you prayed for cultural, social enemies, uh, family enemies, enemies in the church? What if you prayed that every day? Isn't that what God wants for everyone? Imagine what it would be like to pray that that prayer. Yeah? You know, there's, there's, yeah, that which gets in the way. And and I want to encourage us. I want to to challenge us. It's called the Compassion Meditation Prayer. I, I want to challenge us. As, as Matthew did in his writing, there's this piece that, that, that stands out and it's this prayer in Matthew 6 that, 
Jesus taught his disciples to pray. If you're praying that, cool. But, but if you're, you're not or you need something, I encourage you to pray that prayer. Yeah, pray that prayer for a week. Every time you're ready to criticize, yeah, maybe it's your parents. You can pray that for me. <laughs> maybe it's your, your boss at work, a coworker. Maybe it's a member in the body, yeah? Maybe it's an old relative. I encourage you to pray that prayer. If there's anything you take from this lesson, I believe that that will draw us closer to love. I say that because that's a prayer that I've been praying, and it's really difficult to stay in a funky place when you're praying that for people. Amen? Have I mastered it? No. I'm not at the 50-year mark of that. I've had 50 years of complaining and all that other stuff. We're working through it in the Lord, yeah? But I want to encourage you as a church to pray that prayer. Yeah? Just try it for a week. And let's come in and see what everybody looked like. Yeah? And it's cool if one or two people do it because then you'll see in those one or two people. You'll see. Yeah? You know, the, the last thing that, that we ought to talk about, and, and we'll talk about this in, in expediently, you know, the ability to love and to experience love all is possible because of what God does. Yeah? What is love? What gets in the way of love? And what does God do in the midst of all of those challenges? Yeah? I got another scripture for you. Matthew 5 and verse 48. I hope that's it. Be perfect for your heavenly father is perfect. He's got a perfect love. Romans 5, 8. What does Romans 5, 8 say? Huh? We'll grasp those as these become our theme scriptures, yeah? And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You're like, that's not the right scripture. Let's look at it. There's something powerful when we look at scriptures. Yeah? It's almost like, oh. If you were debating, oh. And you still may debate. But you know what? That wrestle becomes between you and God. In verse 6, for while we were still helpless at the appointed moment, Christ died for the ungodly. For rarely will someone die for a just person, though for a good person, perhaps someone might dare to die. But God proves his own love for us, and while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than since we have now been declared righteous by his blood, we will be saved through him from wrath. Here's the lie that we ought not believe. I don't have any love to give. As Christians, yes, you do. You just haven't surrendered to it yet, maybe. Yeah? 
And you giving love doesn't mean that people will respond like you. You know, sometimes we, I'll give you a lollipop and then you're going to smile and you're going to treat me nice. Not necessarily. They might take the lollipop and split and step on your foot on the way out. Here's where we wrestle in our, 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 our lives as disciples. We put ourselves out there. We've been vulnerable. Maybe it's just me. We've been vulnerable. Somebody took that lollipop, they took our heart, stepped on our foot, and took off. And on the way out, they went. And we go like this. That's the last time I'm, that's the last time I'm going there. Yeah? God brings someone into your life, and they go, can I have your heart? And you go, absolutely not. Or you're nice about it, and you just go. I'm going to act like I'm not paying attention. You know, like you see the guy that's holding the sign on the, on the road. He's like in the middle of the road. He's got that sign. And is that just me? I'm like outing myself. Yeah? You, you see him and you're like this. You're like right next to him. He's like this. And you're going. And he's like this. And you're like, man, I know everybody sees me. I'm kind of indicted up in here. But you guys aren't giving. Is that our response to the idea of love? Sacrificial love? Huh? God does it for us. And you know, the cool part is, is that regardless of if we, we have these moments where we don't, God has enough to give it. Yeah? Yeah? What's our response going to be to Matthew 5 through 7? What's our response going to be to the theme scripture of the days of old? Are we going to look at scripture with new eyes? Are we going to look at scripture and, and understand that it's a journey? We don't all have to be here right now, but, but that is our starting place. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. What if one person decided to do that? The interesting thing, what should motivate us is this, that God did it for us. I don't know about you, up here speaking, man, I am so undeserving. I am so unqualified. I am so, I got stuff. But you know what? You may not like me, but my God does. God values each and every one of us for who we are, and he is doing a good work in each and every one of us. Please don't believe the lie of the evil one. God loves you like your parent on their best day. And they're just like this. Yeah, this is just this little piece when your, your, your dad was going, come on, brother, you struck out every time, every game for 18 games, but you're going to hit the ball this time. Like, that was kind of embarrassing. He's like, you're going to hit it this time. It's like, could you stop saying that? It's like, I feel like I got to strike out on purpose just to get off this 
But sometimes that's, that's how we do God's love. Right. Yeah? We listen to everybody else. Hey, it's a strikeout king. I went to elementary school. Hey, it's a strikeout king. Compounded by all of the stuff that I dealt with growing up, yeah? Without the Lord, I would still be in the strikeout king. And I can get in that mode, yeah? What about you? You know, the kingdom of God is supposed to be a place where love is enforced, where love is expected, where it is a journey. And we understand that people are coming from different places and they're dealing with the things that they're dealing with. But this place is a place where God's sons and daughters reside. This place, this place in your heart is a place where God's sons and daughters reside. And don't let people's responses, non-responses, or the guy or gal at the stoplight, don't let that deter you from God's love being your theme and mantra because it's your father's. And we are all assigned to pass that on. We're supposed to be representations of our Father. Yeah? If you're going through it, you're in the right place. Yeah? God's molding and shaping you. If you've been doing it and it hasn't worked out for you, be affirmed. Jesus went through the same thing and so did the disciples. You're not going to live a different life than them. If it's all roses for you, you might not be a threat. Be reminded this morning of God's love, of God's thing all throughout history and our obligation to live it out. Yeah? yeah? I'm going to share a passage for our communion. And I want you to not only think about when you read Matthew, that, that, that Matthew has, he's delivered a message that this is all of my teacher's greatest hits. Yeah? I'm going to give it to you in a nutshell. First Corinthians 13. I want you to, as I read this, I want you to allow the spirit to speak to your heart and to a time where you felt Jesus, where you felt God's love. Yeah. In one of these ways. Because the superior way is the cross. If I speak in the language of men and of angels, but do not love, do, I, but, but do not have love, I am a sounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so that I can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I donate all my goods to feed the poor, and if I give my body to be burned, 
I do not, but, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Remember the time when God has been patient with you. Love is kind. Think of a time when you didn't deserve kindness and you were waiting for the hammer to drop and God was kind to you. Love does not envy. I'm boastful. I don't know if there's ever been a time when God has gone gloated and said, see what I've done for you? Yeah? Because it's authentic. It's who he is. It's not conceited. Love does not act improperly. Love is not selfish. It is not provoked. It does not keep a record of wrongs. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. But as for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for languages, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will, be, will come to an end. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. Though I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see indistinctly as in a mirror, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully as I am fully known. Now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. As we take communion, embrace the most excellent way. You've got to have that first before you can give it to anybody. And we thank Jesus. We thank God for his sacrifice. He made it possible for us to be put right side up, amen? Let's pray. God, we're grateful for Jesus. We're grateful for the sacrifice. And as Easter comes around, we're also reminded that Jesus is the risen Lord, the sacrifice, that, that love that we get to experience, that we commemorate how you demonstrated what we ought demonstrate on an everyday basis. The work is finished, and we're grateful. We pray that you'd bless our time as we commune together, celebrating your love for us, reminded of your specific love for each one of us, and collectively living in your glory. We thank you and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.